Hey girl, welcome to the latest episode of Girl.Live, a brew of chats just between us girls, mixed in with stories and experiences we've never told before. Baby, this that tea from Concentrating, a show where the juiciest conversations start with, girl, it's fresh, it's raw, it is hilarious, bitch, this is Girl.Live. Hey guys, I am back. I kind of sound a little muffled because I'm wearing a COVID-19 mask. No big deal. It's Safety pretty. Birds. It's pretty cute. It doesn't match my outfit at all. But um, today, guys, I'm so excited about today's guest co-host. A lot of my audience is going to know who this is, and which I'm more excited about that. They're going to be like, what? I know her. Um, and today my special guest co-host is Laura. Hi guys. <laughs> oh my God. This is so wild. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Um, I have like so many things that I just want to talk about. <laughs> I do too. But before we get started, I just want to say how long have we been friends? Oh my God. I'm bad at math. You were what? I was 14. 14. How old are you now? 30. 16 years 16 years oh that's stupid long. <laughs> that's like a whole teenager i like how you asked me my age and you say your age. <laughs> i did the math because <laughs> i didn't remember we've been i was about to say my age <laughs> we've been friends for 16 years that's yeah, crazy you're one of the longest friendships that i've ever had because i'm bad at keeping up with friends me too i don't like people very long me neither <laughs> and i just found out that you are a virgo Yes. You know that I get along with Virgos the the like the best. I know that now. A lot of my ex relationships are Virgos. Are you serious? Yes. I would have never guessed. Yeah. I've you, never really been into the whole. You know a couple of them. We're not gonna go into that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can. <laughs> no, the tea, the tea, the amount of tea that we've had in sixteen years, it's stupid. It is. So uh, we're just gonna dive right in, you guys. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, how did we meet? Well, I remember one time we had this event at New Life, and I think it was like a regional thing. And do Which you remember? Is church. Yes, yes. Sorry. <laughs> do you remember Eden, in California? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yes. We went to a restaurant. Yes, we were at a Chinese restaurant because her parents had came down, and you know, your dad was all in the leadership. My dad was hosting them. Yes. Exactly. And then I was on the district board at the time, so I was in leadership too, and I was there, and you guys were there at the table. And y'all just looked so miserable. sad and miserable. <laughs> so I remember some of, uh, you remember Obi uh-huh. and Eden. And so a couple of us were going to go out to the Galleria, drive around. And we asked if we could take you. I don't even know why. Like, I just felt like I needed I always, to rescue you. <laughs> I often wonder why. I do too. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I think it was just because I was like, I can't just leave them here with all the grownups. And it's so boring. We're going to have a blast. Did you feel bad? Like, guys, we're not inviting them. Let's. No, I didn't even think about it. Honestly, I was just like, hey, y'all want to go? And I think y'all said yes. And no, so... I remember thinking like, no, I remember thinking our parents aren't going to let us. I thought that too. And I think you asked my dad. I did. You were like, hey, can. And obviously, just to like backtrack. Yeah. We met in church. Yes. And you were someone that was, had a 
title, mm-hmm. like a senior title. Right. And people respected you. Mm-hmm. And my parents, who are pastors, knew you as exactly. that person. Yes. So you went, I think you went to my dad yeah. and asked him for permission. I went straight to the source because I knew how Hispanics worked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that's how it was in my family. And I remember you coming back and being like, <laughs> he said, yeah. And we were like, no, he <laughs> Y'all didn't. Y'all were so shocked. The look on your faces. Like, I remember it. You guys, so my parents clearly. wouldn't let us go anywhere with yeah. anyone at all. And she came back and she was like, your dad said that you guys can come with us. And I remember being like, what? Yeah. They're on crack. There's no way. <laughs> She's just making that up, trying to get us Do in you trouble. you want to know something that I reluctantly went? <laughs> really? Because I was like, I don't want to go. Like, I just, you I'm just like a you, homebody. You weren't, I'm just yeah. bored. You were not having it. So we went out. We had fun. And that was 16 years ago. That was 16 years ago. And we've been friends ever since. Yeah, because then I found out that you guys live like a mile away from me. Down the street. And then we went to the same school. Mm-hmm. So I was driving at the time mm-hmm. and I remember I would love to just be like, hey, y'all need a ride home or y'all mm-hmm. want to, you know, ride here or your parents were staying, you know, late for work or whatever mm-hmm. and y'all would come to my house and we'd hang out. And then out. your sister's younger, Mari Hager. <laughs> and then me and your sister, Mari, yes. became really close. Exactly. So then it was just a group of us exactly all that would hang out us. and yeah. go home and just be lazy love lazy it. boo fast food mcdonald's <laughs> jack in the box on jensen what <laughs> shout out to all my north side girls um so now that we're on that topic of how how we met what was your first impression of me and i'm gonna give you my first impression. actually i'll give you my my first my first impression of you first okay <laughs> so i had seen you at district events a like huge events yes. like east texas district right and I remember seeing you and thinking like, oh, wow, like everyone knew you. Mm-hmm. Um, I had never heard anyone talk bad about you, Aww. which we call like that was like your reputation, your yes, testimony. Exactly. Everyone talked very highly of you and everyone always said how down to earth you were. And I never understood how someone of your stature mm-hmm. could be so down to earth because you don't come across it as That's much. That's so amazing. So then that day that you were like, Let's go hang out. Yeah. And I remember thinking, well, we're just little kids. Because yeah. I just saw me and my brother as little kids. Yeah. And you, you saw us more than little kids. I, did. I felt like, oh, wow, she's so down Aww, to earth. Stop. And then when I finally like got to know like the real you guys, I was like, oh, they're just like us. Mm-hmm. They're homebodies. They ain't trying to yes. go nowhere. Yes. I love my house. I love my computer. I love my TV, my phone. <laughs> <laughs> What was your first impression? Well, I personally thought you were super quiet, super sheltered. People would never, never believe that. I, yes, it's true, guys. You guys, I was never this loud. <laughs> I was very timid. I was you just were. very like. You were to yourself. Even, I think, talking to you at the beginning was really hard. I think Ben was more outspoken My at the older time. Brother. Your mm-hmm. older brother, yes. So Ben was the one that I think kind of carried and you kind of were more of like a tag along at first you're like he's depressed yeah <laughs> you were you did you look so sad all the time and i honestly think that that's probably one of the things that drew me more to you was that i felt like i needed to help you mm-hmm. like i can't just see that he's depressed or sad or just super quiet because i know what it's like mm-hmm. I couldn't just leave you like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like I had to kind of take you in. That's so crazy. And love on you. I never thought about and, that. Yeah, that's what it was. And what's funny is that pe- people that meet me now think, oh, my God, he's so outgoing and outspoken. You are. But I, I don't consider myself an extrovert. Yeah, I get that. I f- still consider myself an introvert. Yeah, I think because a lot of people, like, I've always grew up as an introvert as well. But I think 
you know, the church experiences and growing up the way we did, it kind of forces you to turn it on when you're in front of people. You get to be social, you get to be fun, you're funny, you know, you love to hang out, but then you still need time to go home, recharge, you know, kind of just unwind. And so I totally relate to that. So I can get how that's your personality. Well, I want to tell you that you were right. I was the depressed. (laughs) (laughs) Not like I should be laughing about that. So talking about, no offense to the depressed community. Yes, Uh, we love you guys. (laughs) We're praying for you. (laughs) Talking about... Talking about our experience growing up, mm-hmm. like you touch on it, we grew up in church. We grew yeah. up apostolic. Yeah. Most people think of like Pentecostals. I think is more. You always popular. have to explain it. So it's like apostolic. <laughs> I always say apostolic Pentecostal because like, yes. oh, I know what you mean. Yeah. I always have to say apostolic. It's like Pentecostal, uh-huh. but it's not. You know, like, it's hard to explain. You're like, but it's it. more strict. <laughs> yes, if that's possible. So I mean, I think they're up, about the same. We grew up in a very, very um, strict Hispanic religious culture and Absolutely. by religion not catholic no offense to the catholics no no uh, we love it y'all. was very um holiness it was a holiness church a oneness church mm-hmm. it was very um most people and if you guys are listening you guys don't know what apostolic is when i tell people this they're like oh i'm like ah, yes. i'm like you know those ladies at the store that you wear long ass skirts <laughs> they wear long skirts long hair they don't wear no kind of makeup they're uh-huh. like oh yeah they probably got white socks and some tennis shoes on with a skirt <laughs> the jean skirts that's who and they're like oh i know and uh, with, a bun. with a bun <laughs> Fri- frizzy hair split ends <laughs> Just gross. Bobby pins galore. But that's how we grew. That was our life, guys. So let's dive in <laughs> My deeper. God, where do we start? The, I remember. Um, I think that for a lot of apostolics, the, the, um, there's a longer list of what we can't do. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Oh God, yeah. And that's what we're known for. Mm-hmm. We couldn't go to the movies. That was a sin. Oh yeah. Uh, w- we still went. How old were you when you first went to the movies? <laughs> Ooh, probably around the time I met you. Yeah, I think that's when I'm I started you going to. Me. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't go to the movies. No. We couldn't listen to secular. To this day, I say secular music. And yes, people are like, what is I that? say worldly music. <laughs> I say worldly. We couldn't listen to nothing but Christian music. Uh-huh. That's it. Um, what a, I remember being in smaller towns, like when I was younger, that even for some people wearing deodorant was vain. I've heard about that too. Women couldn't shave their legs. Women couldn't pluck their eyebrows. You, okay. Speaking of that, <laughs> <laughs> let's get into it. Do you remember how I could not get rid of my mustache? Uh-huh. So guys, okay. Just a little TMI, but. I've had PCOS, and so for a lot of you that don't know, it's in uh, it's a hormonal imbalance kind of, you know, disease, or I don't know what you want to call it. And because of that, your facial hair, your testosterone is elevated. And so my facial hair, I had a mustache pretty much my whole life. Girl, she had more mustache than me. <laughs> <Yes>! <laughs> and because of that, like, I was not allowed to take it off, and I was so traumatized. So I, that's the first thing I did when I rebelled. Women couldn't <laughs> cut their hair. No. Women women's skirts were normally like below the knee. Had to be under the knee, yes. So a lot of people wear skirts, skirts to the ankle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we couldn't wear sleeveless stuff. Um, no jewelry. No, none at all. I didn't get my ears pierced until I was in my 20s. No um, wedding rings, right. which sounds barbaric to yeah. a lot of people. Um, and we'll talk about that a little bit down the line because I have a question for you. But okay. no jewelry, no mm-hmm. nothing. 
and it was just um, and I don't mean to put down the denomination because yeah. I still have family and friends that are part of it right and I love it I wouldn't trade it for the world mm-hmm. like sometimes like it's part of the root of who we are oh absolutely um, it's um, part of our structure of who we became yeah and even like me when I go to different churches if it doesn't have that apostolic feel I don't like it I hear you. Gonna go to Lakewood. Sorry, yeah. Lakewood. I just don't like it's that. It's so true. It, it does form, you know, how you see church and what you look for. Even though it's like you don't want the strictness of it and the rules and the judgment, but you still want the whole spiritual side of it. You want to feel God. You want to feel the power of the presence and just feel like home. And it's so hard to find that. Right. So hard. And I think that a lot of people that, that, might, be, that might know me, they sometimes find it to be oxymoronic when I say, oh, like, I grew up Pentecostal, apostolic, and I still believe, like, 90% of that. They're like, but how? <laughs> Girl, you real gay. How do you <laughs> believe that? And to me, it's that you can't shut that off. You can't. No. Like, the day that I came out, I couldn't flip a switch and turn it off. Because once you've, yes, it sounds crazy. Yes, it sounds, you know, um, P.S. Apostolics are the ones that speak in tongues and fall out. Hallelujah. That's us, Woo! girl. Um <laughs> I want, you to raise, I want you to raise your hands right there where you are. <laughs> Let's take a moment. Um, so that's how we grew up. Yes. And I think that people find it crazy. And someone can argue with me about how we grew up in a cult or whatever the case might be. Mm-hmm. But the thing about it is, and this is what I was telling someone recently. It was real because I lived it and I felt it. And yes. once you've felt it and you've experienced, no one can tell you Preach otherwise. that and right like, there. Someone can tell you like, but <laughs> what do you mean like, you know, like speaking in tongues or yeah. like feeling like the it presence of insane. God? Once you've felt it, yeah. no one can take that away from you. It's like once you've found out that the sky is blue, can't nobody tell you that it's pink. Exactly. That's it. Once you feel it, like it's exactly what you said. You experience it. It's real to you. And when something is real to you, even if it's not real to someone else, it really doesn't matter because it's now what you believe and you've experienced it. Are you about to have a, break, a breakthrough? <laughs> <laughs> I'm raising my hands right now, guys. Um, another thing that I always think about growing up in church that was very, like, a moment in my life that I will cherish forever. Tell me. Is that because of your positions and your stature in the church, uh-huh. then later my older brother started to get more into ministry. Yes. And because of the both of you guys, I was afforded the opportunity to become someone that sang a lot. Yes, I and loved I it. I will never forget <laughs> how many times we sang together oh my god it was always me you and somebody else yes me, always. You, and a filler i was like i had to have my aver because he was an alto and i was a soprano <laughs> so i had to have him and his harmonies are sick and so but, sick but we sing at so many services together conventions yes. different events at camps yeah it, it was just always and i i think that that that's when i one of my fondest memories that i have of you Aww. is that not only were we friends mm-hmm like in our personal life, but that we ministered together. Yes. And I knew your voice like the back of my head and I knew how to like dodge and weave to your voice Aww. because I was just so, and it was always the two of us and yeah. other people singing. Isn't I loved that it. crazy? It is. It is. Do you miss singing? Do you still sing? I don't sing anymore. Um, we're, we're available if you, if you want to book us. <laughs> Anybody want to book us? We can harmonize. Okay. <laughs> if your church is struggling, let us know. <laughs> We just need an ofrenda de amor. 
<laughs> Wait, speaking of which, I'll never forget this, you guys. Laura booked my first gig ever. Yeah. Do you know this story? <laughs> no, tell me. So you were going, to, I'm not going to say the, the name of the church, but you okay. were going to that smaller church uh-huh. in Houston. In Houston? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I got you. That's all we're not going to name That's it. all we need to say. Uh, so you were going to that church, uh-huh. and you invited me and Ben to go sing. Mm-hmm. You were like, I just need help. Like, um, I think like you were like leading worship. Yeah. And like you were praised, like you were all of it. Yeah. It was a one man show. It was a one man band. Um, and you were like, come help me. Like, I, I just help. need, like, I want you guys to sing like a special song, mm-hmm. but then also like be my backup. And mm-hmm. we were like, okay, cool. And y'all were always so down. I love it. Because we didn't drive and you did. So it's like, <laughs> well, she's going to drive anyway. She's going to pick us up. Okay. And we knew where we were going to eat because we can eat. We love so we were Dear like, Abby. <laughs> Abby. So we don't eat regardless. So we would say yes. And then my parents would always say yes to you. I loved it. Because it's not like you were taking us to the club. It's like, hey, can I take your kids to, to church? church? Yeah. So then we went to that church <laughs> and we sang like two songs, mm-hmm. me and Ben. And mm-hmm. then we got behind you and did your backup. Right. And then when it was all over, the pastor came up to us and gave me and Ben an envelope with money and it was oh, cash. Oh, I love it. And I it. remember thinking, I can get used to this. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I started charging. Oh, my I'm lucky, not joking. And you know what's funny is that I've never charged in my life. I don't even think I got an envelope well, that day. I never charged, but I did think Jesus no, people yeah. would pay. That's amazing. And then, okay, I take that back. People wouldn't pay. No, they, they give you a love offering. It's what you call it, yeah. If you want to be know, politically correct. A little something, something. But that was my first gig. I was so happy about that. I, I had remember no idea. me and Ben went back home like, no, we went out to eat after that, uh-huh. and me and Ben were like, "Girl, we, we got, got you." <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's um, it's crazy how our upbringing totally formed our lives. Yes, and we're 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 sitting here having a lighthearted conversation, but like, even in who I am now with work, and my like my life now as I know it, and my friends, a lot of what we went through as children. And the environment that we were in, it shaped who I am today. But our mindsets, kind of my mindset, I know had to kind of change. And I think for me, it's, (coughs) God, that's not Corona. (laughs) I think think for me that my outlook um, followed me, Mm -hmm. obviously, but my outlook had to kind of change. And I'll say this is that when I was younger, Mm -hmm. we would hear about like, you know, like um, spiritual warfare. Yes. And all that good stuff, girl. Oh, my God, yes. But I had never met anyone that was, like, really gay. Mm-hmm. But you would hear about it, mm-hmm. right? There would be preachings about it. You would hear about, you know, someone's someone's conocido. Someone's, oh, yeah. You know, Everyone whatever. knew someone. But um, I literally thought that being gay meant that you had, like, the literal devil inside of you. Mm-hmm. And like I remember... you were possessed. A demon possessed. Wow. Crawling up the walls. Oh, my God. A very exorcism. Yeah. Exorcism. Like, everyone had to stay after the youth camp and right. close all the doors. Right. <laughs> so, I thought that that's what being gay was. Oh, I'm I think it took me years to realize that that was my mindset then because mm-hmm. of the culture and our norm. And, like you said earlier, is that sometimes it led to being sheltered. Mm-hmm. And it led to otherism. I was talking to someone um, that I know, and I was telling them how the apostolic community sometimes creates otherism and it's us 
and them mm-hmm. and even like our services mm-hmm. who, the demographic you know mm-hmm. and sometimes you get so caught up on preaching to yourselves but then you have someone homeless walking and you're like oh like he doesn't belong here like take him out it's like, but that's what the church scary. was for but, but, that, but that's who the yeah. church was for oh my god yes or if you have you know a visitor come in and she's wearing pants and you know because oh P.S. you couldn't wear pants duh. no but she's wearing pants and a tube top and some jewelry and you're like oh she, she this isn't for her <laughs> but that's who Christ Poor is for poor thing she needs help right but the, I think that we we create this sense of otherism yes does that make sense absolutely um, and I think for me I created this illusion that gay people were over there Aww. and I just couldn't ever be that. That makes me sad though. But like, I mean, that's what we, we kind of had like this mindset of that. Like, would you agree that we kind of, that's absolutely the truth. You were always made to believe that in some way, shape or form, you were kind of superior right? because you were saved or Cause we're all going to heaven. Yeah, we were. And we were so spoiled in the sense of, getting preached to like five times a week. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But if you think about it, it was always the same messages over and over and over. Like you said, the drilling into you, how this is a sin, that's a sin. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. Stay away from this. Stay away from that. Even when it came down to people. It's like if people sinned or if someone made a mistake or they lived their life in a way that wasn't what they preached, then you had to stay away from them. And you were Mm -hmm. not allowed to be friends with them. Even Mm -hmm. though... The whole foundation of the word of God is love. Right. So it never made sense to me. That is the one thing that I feel I could never fully process and grab. Right. So I was always the friend with the p- people that were more of like the outcasts right. or they weren't seen in the most favorable light or right. someone committed an adult, someone committed adultery, you know, and I've had youth pastors in the past tell me you need to stay away from them because right. of my reputation and because they were trying to protect me, oh, you need to stay away from them. And I'm like, no, they're they're my friends. Like that's right. when they need me the most. And that's when that's when it that's when you're being Christ like. Exactly. Because what is salvation for if not for the lost? Thank you. Because if you're sitting in a room full of quote, quote unquote saved people, mm-hmm. then did did the mission stop there? Boom. Like you know when Jesus, I might be wrong, girl. When Jesus told his disciples, "Go be fishermen of men," go. He didn't say just fill up that one bucket and once you're done, you're done. No, Preach. he didn't say that because. That you better you, preach Abraham. You, you see, guys, but, he knows his stuff. But it's like how many churches are out there, and they're happy with the little twenty saved people. Thank that's you. it. No, mm-hmm. we're not accepting no more applications. Yeah. <laughs> and someone that's homeless or broken, or someone that is a victim of abuse, or whatever the case might be, comes in like, oh no, she's different. Mm-hmm. She's not like us. She's not wanted here. She's not accepted here. But again, who is salvation for if not for someone that's that's lost? exactly it. And. It's great that we have that mindset now. Yeah. So um, I have a question for you that I've always wanted to ask you. Bring it. And it's just a dying question for me because <laughs> people that meet me, like I was just talking to um, one of my best friends, Rudy, Megan. Okay. We went out with one of our friends that me and you both know. Okay. I'm mouthing it. Okay. And my friend, Megan, was like, tell me about Abraham Aww. and what he was like. And my fr- our mutual friend mm-hmm. was like, yeah, he wasn't like that. Not at all. And I think that people meet me and they're like, oh, my God, like, that's who you are. And that's who you've always been. Yeah. And that's what I always tell people. Like, I'm a pastor's kid. And people are like, why do you always say that? Because I want you to know where I've been. Mm-hmm. Because where I've been defines 
my character yes. and who I am today. But I... Who you are at the core. I love spending time with people that have known me for so long. Yes. Because they ground me into like, I've come along. You have, boo. I'm sitting here with eyeshadow, brows beat. <laughs> yes. And I would have never thought that. So my question to never. you is, when did you know... Oh, my <laughs> this gosh. Is golden, when did you know that I was gay? Okay. Well, let's just go back to this whole... Um, church thing, you like right? the damn it. Uh, yeah, pretty much. You're like, That's a <laughs> I love him already. He's not gonna hit on me. <laughs> You're like, do you do hair? <laughs> I'm at twelve. I'm like, can you do my makeup already? <laughs> no, but I do think that it was early on when I saw the mannerisms. Um. It wasn't a point where it's like, oh, my God, I know he's gay right away, you know, because of I didn't know you that well yet. And mm-hmm. you were really closed off. You were really Very sheltered. Yeah. You were so quiet. I don't think people understand when I say you were quiet. Well, um, like when I was younger, younger, like when I was like a little kid, mm-hmm. people had to ex- my parents had to explain to people that I wasn't me because I, I never spoke. Wow. That makes so sense. I was just always not who quiet. I am I feel like you were just the one that would fade into the background and you would be okay with that. And everyone here would be having a party and having a blast and you would just sit there and just like, when can I go home? Mm -hmm. You know? (laughs) So (laughs) I really don't even know how it started evolving to the point where, you know, I started to get to know you more. And when I knew for sure was actually when you formed a really close friendship with someone mm-hmm. back in the day. Mm-hmm. And it was to the point where you would never talk about girls. I think at that time your brother was already, you know, being a little fast. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to say all that, but I don't know if he's listening. So, <laughs> um, you know, I knew that he was more, you know, ready for girls and kind of excited about crushes or things like that. And I never got that from you. Mm-hmm. It was never like, oh, I like this girl, or oh, she's cute, or mm-hmm. never, ever, ever. And so when you form this friendship with a guy, and it became where it was, it wasn't just like a friend. It became a lot deeper, mm-hmm. and the attachment that you had to him was like, oh. You're like, baby, that's unhealthy. Oh. <laughs> I was like, okay, we're going to go there. <laughs> So I think at that point, really early on with seeing how you latched onto that friendship and just what you were willing to do for him and you you didn't even care how it looked to people, you just threw all of that out the window and I'm like, he is so into this guy. And <laughs> I, I'm like, I wanted to tell you so many times, like, just tell me you love him. Like... <laughs> Just stop telling me he's your best friend. Like, you know, and I mean, I'm not going to say anything more than that, but (laughs) that's when I knew it was for sure, for sure. Do you know what I just thought about on the way over here? (laughs) I passed by the Starbucks across the mall. Uh huh. Remember that one time me, you and him had gone to go have dinner. Mm -hmm. I think I treated you out to dinner and then I treated you out to like dessert and went to Starbucks. Yes. Do you remember what what you told me at the Starbucks? I don't, but I remember the I remember well, that day driving by the Starbucks. Like it's crazy how your mind works. P.S. <laughs> That's today's moral of the story. It really does. When I drove by the and I go to that Starbucks a lot for work because mm-hmm. because of Willowbrook. 
Okay. But it wasn't until today, knowing that I was coming here to see you, mm-hmm. that when I drove by the Starbucks, and you, it, this memory is going to come back to you like that. Oh, my god. We were sitting outside on the, the patio. patio. yeah. Do you remember that? I do. And you were telling me about your boss coming out. Yes! Did you tell me that as a hope of... Yes, I was trying to push you! <laughs> it just hit me that I was like, oh my God, I remember her telling me, we're outside the patio, and you told me about your boss yes, coming out. Yes, I did. To you. Yeah. And I remember being like, damn, that's crazy. It's <laughs> not once did it even come over my head. It did. Do you know what's crazy, though, is that I think that other people knew that I was gay before I was gay. Before you real, like that, fully accepted it? Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um... Don't get me wrong, like, I did go through years of, like, trying to pray the gay away, but I think that for me, I just rationalize things. Mm-hmm. And it, I just, but I'll never forget that story. You, um... Yeah, because what had happened was, I was in Minnesota at the time. I was previously married, so I moved up there with him for a while. And while I was out there, my boss um, that I had here for a couple of years, we were really close. I was his assistant, so, I mean, we had a really deep friendship and he was also the same way where he had the the vibe but he never admitted it and mm-hmm. he was closeted for a long time and the whole five or six years at the time that i worked for him i've never known him to have a girlfriend never spoke about women and i thought that was odd because he was in his 30s he was single you know he made good money and so he had his his life together so why not you know but Um, Then I started, you know, understanding that that's what it was. And so one day out of the blue, he calls me and he says he has something super important to tell me. (sighs) And he's like, you're one of the first people that I have to share this with. He goes, but because I value your friendship and who you are in my life, he's like, I have to tell you, you know, I am gay. And I was just like, I cried. I was so happy for him because of him expressing how relieved he was, how free he felt, and how he had been holding it for so long. And so just seeing how relieved he felt and everything he experienced with coming out and at least telling just me, I don't know who all he had told, mm-hmm. you know, had spoken to at the time, but I, I took that so personally and it was such an honor for me to get that news. And it was a phone call from a boss that I wasn't even working mm-hmm. with anymore, you know? So I remember when we came back to Houston and you and I hung out that time, I remember telling you. You're like, ahorita's cuando. (laughs) (laughs) I did. I was like in a way of like, he felt so good after he did it. You know, I want this for you too. Mm -hmm. You know, and it was, it wasn't because, oh, I need you to tell me. Mm -hmm. It was like, I want you to feel free and I want you to know it's okay. And I'm still going to love you. And it's, it's going to be okay. Like. Well, I think the be- the beautiful thing about that is that maybe you didn't or did know, but according to like every gay person or everyone in the LGBTQ plus mm-hmm. world, and like there's like this org or organization Glad, mm-hmm. and they're like in charge of like teaching like media and stuff like how to go about certain things. The preferred way, and pe- I I get this question a lot, like, hey, um, actually, someone I won't say who it is, but uh-huh. I know they're listening. They just, they just texted <laughs> hey, me yesterday. And it, <laughs> it is a girl. Uh, she just texted me yesterday. She was like, my, I think my cousin might be gay. Like, do I just ask them? And the preferred thing is not to ask. No, no, no. And because by asking, you're you're indirectly outing them. Yes. And but that's, that's so the preferred way. And I, 
I now as an adult, I'm so grateful that you never asked. Mm-hmm. You never even hint, hinted to me no. anything. Instead, and when you told me about your boss, it didn't even like create a mirror to me. It's mm-hmm. like, oh shit, that's me. Yeah. No, it just went over my like, oh, that's crazy. That's like, awesome. you know, good for him. <laughs> yes. It went over my head. <laughs> but I think that subconsciously, the importance of that is that it lays, and this is what I always tell people, mm-hmm. lay the groundwork to provide a safe space yes. and an accepting environment. That's I love all it. I, that's all I got to do. I love it. Because if you ask, sometimes, maybe if you would have asked, it, sometimes it pushes people deeper into their closets. Yeah. I'm like, well, now I got to switch things up. Yeah, and because... I think it's so sensitive because it's so big. It's especially with our background. I mean, it's already hard enough for anybody, mm-hmm. I can imagine, anyone that has to feel like they're not comfortable enough to say that or speak their truth. Mm-hmm. But having the religious background added to that on top of it and how strict it was for us. And like you said, feeling like it's the devil and you're possessed. Mm-hmm. Like you never want to be seen as, you know, a demon or right. a, a heathen. Well, I mean, imagine if we're if we're going to help because we go to the movies. Yeah. Oh, my well, imagine God. Imagine for me being gay. Yeah. And religion, sometimes, especially how we grew up, it kind of creates a pyramid of levels of sin, mm-hmm. which is not what the Bible says. No, and that is That's so, so good. But that is the so pyramid good. that we grew up on is that sometimes even like queerness and someone being gay is worse than adultery. Mm-hmm. It's worse than uh, worse than an addiction. Mm-hmm. It's like at the top level tier. There's, that's so good. That there's levels. Status. Yeah. And I think that as humans, you can't, you can't get forgiven for that, but you can get forgiven for the other stuff. Right. Like there's or, this. Yeah. Or they'll tell you, because I heard this a lot, you know what, let's go through, let's not even talk about conversion therapy, but they'll talk about all these things of how to fix it, pray the gay away, um, sometimes like self-infliction of bo- bodily harm, all that stuff. And then if all else fails, well then just live your life uh, sanct- sanctified uh-huh. for God and you know what the, just don't get married if you have to be single stay you, you single ha- you have to be single yes. the rest of your life and live in consecration to God the, re- the rest of your life abstaining and I heard that my whole life yeah but my thing and I think maybe I told you this when I came out or years later is that that even that goes against the Bible because if it's part of who I am and if, I, if I've already thought it I don't care how much I don't do and how I live the rest of my life alone Regardless, which, what what the Bible tells me, I'm going to hell regardless. Because of your heart. One of them is denial. The other one is facing it. There you go. So even if I consecrated the rest of my life, I've already been tainted, mm-hmm. according to. But we create this pyramid, and I thought the worst thing I was ever going to do was come out because I couldn't do that to my family, to myself. Yeah. And there was a lot of times where I thought, I'm going to have to, the day that I come out, I thought two things. And it sounds irrational. I thought two things. My parents are going to murder me, dig up a hole in the backyard. No one's ever going to hear about me. <laughs> or two, I'm going to have to run away so far away where no one will ever hear from me. Yeah. And unfortunately, that happens far too much in our community that of makes Christians. So because how many times do we, and I'll talk to my to my parents sometimes about like, and it's so common, whatever happened to brother so-and-so? Oh, girl, you don't know. Girl, he came out. And he just went away. Mm, and I told myself that I never wanted to be someone that, whatever happened to that guy, Abraham? Mm-hmm. Uh-uh, you're going to see me. You're going to you hear me. You are going to know my name. You're going to know who I am. <laughs> because I never wanted to, if I accept myself, mm-hmm. I shouldn't have to carry your shame in who I am you for you. Yes. So I always thought I'm going to 
first I thought I'm going to come out and go far, far away. And the more that I reconciled who God was in my life Mm -hmm. and who, again, you can't take that away from me of Mm -hmm. what I've experienced of God. And the more that I came to terms with it, then it's like, I don't want to go away. I don't want to shut up. I don't want, because someone's going to be watching that can find hope. I love that. And people still ask me till this day, like till this day, like, girl, why do you go to all these church services? Like, <laughs> and I'll go on a little beat. Well, you're like, why not? My thing, do you know why I go? Have I ever told you this? Mm-hmm. I go because I go. Sometimes I'll sit next to youth pastors, ministers, whatever. I'm friends with a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And I'll go because I know that there's someone sitting in, there's, it's twofold. There's someone sitting in that pew that sees like, they still treat him like a human being. They can still shake his hand. They're going to go have dinner. He's going to go have dinner with the pastors yes. and the ministers. I love and that. it humanizes that it's okay. if they can accept him, or maybe not even accept him, they can just at least respect him. What about me? Mm-hmm. And the other fold of that is there's a mother there sitting there that says if they can accept that person, that someone's son, maybe one day they can accept my yes, son too. Yes, I love that. Um, and that's why I, that's why I go... My next question for you is, um, oh, speaking about like all of this, uh-huh. do you remember the time where obviously like me coming out was like so difficult? Mm-hmm. It was the worst experience possible because people just know, and I always say this, people find it so like crazy. I came out twice. I came out publicly on a YouTube video. Yes. But I had to come out years before. Right. And people don't know that. Yeah. And people thought, for a long time, people thought that I had made that up. Oh, no, it's true. I came out years before I ever came out publicly. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you were one of the people that I came out to. Yes, I was so honored. And I went through a lot of ups and downs with my family. Mm -hmm. And there was one, I'll never forget this story ever. There was... um, Go the church is scandalous. <laughs> scandalous. There was this really big scandal within our church uh-huh. that someone had pictures of me. And from what I was led to believe is that someone had pictures of me and someone else. Okay. That wasn't true. So I asked this church body to pre- show me the pictures. Uh-huh. And I asked, show me the pictures and I'll go away quietly mm-hmm. and they couldn't because there was no pictures yeah Girl, i knew you ain't gonna hey. me out there spread out like that <laughs> i um, knew already <laughs> so they couldn't produce the pictures so then it just became this really big scandal mm-hmm. i was embarrassed i was mortified i at that point i hadn't even come out yet that's scary <gasps> i just thought about that yeah. i hadn't even come out yet it was in public no, but I hadn't even I hadn't even come out to my parents yet. I don't think. So this was before that. Yes. Oh my god. Because that was I was sixteen. It was two thousand six. I was sixteen. Okay. I didn't come out to the age of twenty one, to my parents. Oh my gosh, that's that, a lot. That's, that's kind of backwards. That's, kinda, that's weird. <laughs> but it was, I was sixteen. It was Wednesday. The 23rd, I think, of 2006. Your memory. Oh, it my God. It was the day before Thanksgiving. <laughs> wow. Remember that? No. Yeah, it was on a Wednesday, the day before th- Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. And things popped off at church. And I went home, and things just weren't healthy for me at mm-hmm. home. And things got very chaotic, and there was a really big scandal, and it involved me. And I was just so torn. 
and I, I will never forget this, I called you just to vent. Yeah. And Laura's response, <laughs> I just felt like my whole world was crumbling under me. Aww. And, like, it's the worst thing that I felt like I have to leave mm-hmm. here. And I just called Laura to vent. Mm-hmm. And, y'all, Laura literally was like, I lived in Victoria, Texas, which is two and a half hours south of Houston. Yes. Laura said, give me three hours, I will be there. <laughs> and I thought she was lying. No. Or I thought she was going to back out. Y'all, three hours went by, and Laura's like, I'm outside. Oh. <laughs> you drove all the way to Victoria to go pick me up. Yes. I will never forget that. Because I don't think, I'm, I'm grateful for you and other people that provided that escape for me. Mm-hmm. Because those that all those escapes were glimmers of hope that you can prevail, and there's always a way. When you feel like the whole world has turned their back on you, there's always a way, and it gave me hope. Yes, and, I, and someone loves you. Right. There's always gonna be someone that loves you. If all else fails, bro, there's Jesus. Hey, Jesus. Hey. But you picked me up. <laughs> we came back here, and that was the day before Thanksgiving. It was November the. 23rd uh-huh. I was on, on a Wednesday Aww. isn't that crazy that makes me so happy because I I mean I have the worst memory I do but I do remember things like that where I would drive to Victoria we'd have sleepovers uh-huh. we would you know I would just be like hey I haven't seen you in so long I just need to come hang out and I remember I was more friends with Ben at the beginning right. of our friendship and I was more friends with Mari and you were more friends with my mm-hmm. sister yes and so somehow it eventually turned to where it was like okay forget Ben I'm just gonna come see Aver you know hey Ben what's up you're cool okay bye you know and I would always hang out with you and I don't know it was just when you called me anytime you would call me because I remember too one time when you were at your Aunt Susie's house mm-hmm. and you were you would visit there, you know, mm-hmm. often. And anytime you'd call me, I'd be like, okay, I'm coming. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would go. And I remember one time you had like a really bad panic attack mm-hmm. or I don't know what was happening and the ambulance had came. So mm-hmm. I'm here I go. I'm like, I have to go see you. Make sure you're Where okay. Did you go see me? At your Aunt Susie's house. Like I pulled up on you. <gasps> oh, yes. Oh, yes. I forgot about that. Yes. So I remember different things like that were... You know, if I knew you were not okay, like I had to make sure you were good and I'd have to come see for myself. And I think that because like it was my home and my relatives, my home unit, Mm -hmm. sometimes we think that that's all there is, you know. And I think for me, it helped me realize that now like being openly gay, what you learn being part of like the LGBTQ plus world is that sometimes we choose our family. Yes. And that family's chosen. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was glimmers of hope to me that it's like this person that doesn't know me or that isn't related to me mm-hmm. can be there to give me hope. Yeah. And I feel like because of people like you, I am who I am now helping others and depositing hope and love in other people. Because oh, somewhere, some, somehow, somewhere, someone did it for me. Yes. Uh. Let's begin about me being gay. I've never, I was telling our mutual friend this story. Mm-hmm. One time we had a youth camp. Okay. And it was at. It was either Lake, Lake Tomahawk. Lake, Lake Tomahawk. Okay. Um, it or was Lufkin. At, no, was it was Lake Tomahawk. Okay. And two stories. Mm-hmm. The one about my brow. Do you remember the story or no? I don't know. I want to hear you tell me just in case it sparks You're the first memories. person that ever did, did my makeup. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> Do you know what? the story or no? I don't remember. I hate my memories so, sometimes. Ugh. Tell me. You know how 
church camps, we're all pranksters. Oh, yeah. The guys especially. Yes. Well, for years, me and Ben were very big pranksters, I and no one that. ever got us. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and we would have, like, duct tape people to their mattress, throw them in the lake. <laughs> Y'all were the worst. Give people sleep, sleeping pills uh-huh. and, like, x lax so they're asleep and they're, like, I always remember y'all would, like, come out running, like, oh, my God, guess what we just did? And y'all would be so excited. We would oh. throw people naked in the woods. <laughs> like, it would crazy things. And no one would ever get me. And during recess and downtime, we, we, we would be part of that, but me and you would then have to go do, like, choir and, like, mm-hmm. praising practice yes. and blah, blah, blah. And we never had downtime. Yes, we were never outdoor people. <laughs> I hate the heat. But ah. I'll never forget this, that we, I woke, I took like a 30-minute nap. And I woke up. I want to go get ready. I'm getting ready for practice because I had to meet you uh-huh. at the temple for a praising practice. Yeah. And I'm about to walk out, and I go to the restroom to wash my hands, <laughs> and I look up, and someone has shaven off my brow. Oh, my God. And I remember I don't remember crying. that. Crying and being oh. like, but I can't let them know that it got me. Yeah, and I was embarrassed. I didn't want to tell anyone. Like, man, they got me. Oh my god! And someone in, in our dorm shaved my brow, and they Assholes. shaved half of it. So I remember wearing these aviator shades and messaging you and like crying, and being like, "Someone just shaved my brow," and you said, "Come to the temple, wear your shades. I'll fix it." And I was oh. like, "How the heck is she gonna fix it?" <laughs> Girl, you pulled out your little brow pencil. <laughs> this is before Anastasia Brow is. Oh, my God. You pulled out a brow pencil and you did my brow. <laughs> I do remember it now. I do remember it now. Because I was like, oh yeah. how am I going to have half a brow? And then you're going to be on the platform. <coughs> Being on stage. Everyone's going to see singing, you. Yes. Sweating. <laughs> and I was like, and you did my brow. Little snatch brow. <laughs> it was on fleek. No, but okay, so that year, that year... Did you know that I already wore makeup then? No. Did you ever clock my my makeup? I did. I would see it would I would notice kind of like a BB cream type you know thing. It was light you know, but I always noticed. I mean, I knew you what you looked notice. like always. I'm surprised because a lot of people didn't notice. Yeah. Or maybe they did, but they didn't see. Anything. They probably didn't see. But also, you but were a I girl, were, and you I, were a little bit more like into that stuff. Exactly, and I was close to you, so I knew I, what your face looked like for a long grill. time. Yeah. Um. But okay, so that <laughs> we think together. You were always right here. That year. <laughs> That year, we had a camp, and then on Friday night, we had a closing service at Aldine. Okay. Okay? Yes. And I remember we got, everyone went home, mm-hmm. and then they went to the closing service at Aldine. They went back, yeah. Well, I remember, I still know what I had. I had a CoverGirl powder compact. Okay. Real basic. <laughs> and then, like, I wanted to have, like, a bronzer. Uh-huh. No consider, no, no nothing. I would just put all that shit over, and then I would just bronze. And I will never forget this, that we got there really late, me and all of our friends, including our mutual friend. Okay. And our church, the guys, we sat way in the back. Mm-hmm. Very last seat at Alding Church. Okay. And the preacher, I'm not going to say his name, the preacher is preaching and he says that, you know, the world that we're coming to. And, like, how the enemy is, you know, infiltrating our youth. Yeah. And the preacher says out loud, um, how would, like, like just imagine how I felt, he's saying, mm-hmm. that we found makeup in a guy's dorm. bag in his dorm. 
Oh, because they would do the security they checks. Would do security checks. Oh my goodness! And he said we confiscated makeup. I remember from, that. And that they threw it away. Yes. And I remember sitting there thinking, "Who? Because I got my makeup right here." <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't me. I remember thinking. <laughs> Wait, is there another sis here? You're like, like who, girl, is, who she? is it? Like, we can be friends. Let's talk. Like, give me some tips. <laughs> like, I only got the powder and the bronzer. You might have the what blush and the concealer. YouTube wasn't popping back then. I remember thinking, like, who? Because I got my stuff right it's here in my not bag. Mine. It ain't me. Wow. Yeah, they found me. Did you? Did you, did you remember I remember that? that. I remember that. But obviously, I never thought it was you. But I would have never even guessed or I wonder what, even thought about who it could be. Um, I've heard speculations of who it was. Really? And, and it's someone that's not even gay. They're completely straight. Uh-huh. Um, but that they wore simple concealer here and there. Yeah. Uh, but I remember being like, wow, like, wow. teach me. I want to know. Aww. But it, but that is it, so crazy. It wasn't me. And you're like, oh, I already know. You're just confident as can be. Um. Okay, wait, 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 wait a minute. I need to make a pause. This is Abraham in the future in post-production, and we need to make a pause right here. P.S. Are you guys enjoying this episode so far? I love Laura so much, and I hope that you guys love her as well. Uh, we're making a really brief pause right here. Again, I'm in post-production in the future, um, and you guys, this episode was filmed on location. I actually traveled to Laura to film this episode and it was not shot in our studio so for the next five minutes or so there's a distortion in my mic that we did not catch and you'll notice again my mic is distorted laura's mic is perfectly fine um but for the next five minutes you'll notice a distortion i try to clean it up as much as possible uh, but then after those five minutes, it'll go back to the normal episode i hope that you guys are enjoying this so much and do we not love laura like, uh, I don't know if, I, if I've already said this at this point in the episode, but check out girl.live, the website. That's www.girl.live, and you'll see more of Laura's content. So now we're going back into the episode. Now that you look back at how we grew up mm-hmm. and how we were raised mm-hmm. and the different perspectives, um, obviously we've grown a lot. Yes. And even though we still believe... In all kinds of ways. Okay. <laughs> even though we still believe most of or a lot of our roots and how yeah. we we're taught, I think that we've evolved. I think that, that's the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your perspective now looking back at who you used to be and who you are now? Like, what do you think about that? As far as who I used to be before, I think what shifted the most for me is the way I view... I don't want to... I don't even like calling it just sin. You know, the way I view people's lives, the way I view mistakes that people make. I thought back then I was pretty good as far as like being able to overlook certain things and love people regardless. But over the years, going through all the stuff that I've been through, you know, in my own life, uh, the things that have happened to me, um, just so many experiences that I've been through that have caused me to lose a lot of my quote unquote friendships from the church. Mm-hmm. I felt like, you know, like you say, um, I had a certain status, you know, back then to where people knew who I was. I was pretty popular and I was really proud of my reputation and who I was. And I remember you, you'll remember this too, because I'll never forget this story. 
is when I first got with my first husband, it was a situation that was completely shocking to everybody because I was already 27. I was saving myself for marriage. I had never even so much as seen a pee pee, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So it was a very big deal when I got with my first husband and he had just came down for a visit. He was in another state. So when he came down, you know, one thing led to another. Y te robó. <laughs> y me robó mi, mi ve. <laughs> oh, my God. Molly's probably just like, y'all are so stupid. Y'all are so retarded. <laughs> so, I remember specifically, like, obviously when it happened, the first thing I did was run to the bathroom and cry and cry and cry. And I'm like, first of all, it wasn't even good. Wow. <laughs> Second of all... I just threw away my whole reputation. I threw away everything that I worked so hard to hold on to. Your testimony. My testimony was on the ground. And nobody even knew anything yet. But in myself, because of all of the things that we were always taught, it's like I started to feel like you felt. Like, oh my God, now I'm a demon. I'm going to go straight to hell because I had sex before marriage, you know. And all of that that thinking made me feel like now I had to marry this guy because I slept with him one time. Mm-hmm. And it it was just so overwhelming. And what made it worse was that in the process of me going through this whole grieving process of, you know, my testimony and then on top of trying to figure out how to move forward in the church, mm-hmm. um, I was with, with my own ministry. I was instantly stripped of everything that I did. And... Um, I was suddenly outcasted. It looked like I had someone put the scarlet letter on me. I was blacklisted. All of my so-called friends at the time that I was closest to turned their backs on me, including your brother. I mean, not to blast him or anything, but I think that was really hurtful to me because, you know, as we spoke about, we were really close and we've had this friendship for so long and, once that happened, I remember feeling so betrayed by so many people that I'm like, I was there for you guys when y'all needed me. And now that I finally need somebody, no one was there for me. And I think one of the most frustrating things like that I think we can both share on that is like, I'm still me. Yeah. I'm still the person that I was last week. Exactly. I'm still the person that I was. All I did was get some D. Okay. You and, know? And it's just <laughs> so, um, it's frustrating. It is so hard. And... I will never forget that I went through this in isolation. I was in isolation. I stopped going to church for a couple of weeks, probably even a couple of months. I was off the grid and I was just in this depression. It was so deep. And at the same time, trying to navigate my relationship with this guy that I didn't even want to be with, but feeling our society and our church and our community told you that because you've already done XYZ, you have to marry. Absolutely. Whether there's love or not. Exactly. They told me that in order for me to fix this, to fix my relationship with God, I had to make it right. And in order to make it right, I had to marry this guy because I had already become one with him, you know? And that was so frustrating in itself. And I never forget that I remember that the one person that I called was you. And I'll never forget, I was outside of my mom's house. I was in the front yard and I'm pacing around and I'm just mm-hmm. telling you how I feel and everything that and happened to me. You told me a lot. Yeah. You went into explicit detail. And I remember yeah. being like, 
She just needs to let this out. I had so much built up and I hadn't been able to talk to anybody because no one was there anymore, you know? And I'll never forget that when I spoke to you, I was expecting, you know, I was kind of prepared for the reaction, like, you know, your brother had given me like, okay, well, I'm sorry, I can't be friends with you because it's going to mess with my status or my reputation, you know, kind of like we've always been taught. Once someone messes up, you have to blacklist them. You have to leave them alone. You can't talk to them anymore because it's going to affect you. It's kind of like it's going to rub off on you. And that's and they, so twisted. They you. Exactly. Because we weren't just, I just want to clarify, we just weren't churchgoers. Right. We were active in church and we were church we were leaders. all up in the ministry. And it meant that by association, mm-hmm. I might lose my job or my title or my uh, love offerings because I'm <laughs> being seen with you. Exactly. Uh, we're friends. Yeah. Right. That's, how in, that's how intense it was. And the damage that that mentality had on me was unbelievable. And when I didn't get that reaction from you, it just made me feel like, okay, there's someone that still loves me. There's someone that is still going to be there no matter how much I mess up, how many times I have sex, Mm -hmm. or, you know, if I come out pregnant, like anything, I had no idea what my life was going to be. If I was even going to go back to church, I was like, oh my God, like what is going to happen? Like, who am I going to be now? Like without church, I felt like I was nothing. Without my ministry, I felt like I was nothing. I didn't even know who I was outside of it. Right. And so it just molded me in a way where after so long of having to deal with this, then I was able to say, you know what? I'm still okay, even without my ministry, even without the church, even without all these people that were my so-called friends, I still made it. And I remember throughout that whole three years of being married to this guy, because I went through with it, I ended up marrying him and all that. Uh, it was such a miserable time for me because I always felt for you. You did because you would tell me how great certain aspects were, mm-hmm. but I knew that you were telling me to convince yourself. Yeah, and I think that you were tell me to beat me to the question yeah okay and we were talking about oh like this is great this is great and even then there was one phone call that we had when you finally broke down and Mm -hmm. said i'm not okay yeah and this isn't okay and i'm tired of this and that time as well you went into like details Mm -hmm. and i remember feeling like and obviously it's our lives we made our own decisions but it's crazy how our community will force us into one thing. And before Absolutely. You go forward, before you go forward, mm-hmm. um, I think that there was always one thing that, I don't know if you if you even recall this, but going into how our church and our community will told you, hey, well, now you have to get married mm-hmm. to this person. Right. It was, Then it turned into a double negative because um, you came back from MIA mm-hmm. and then you were still low-key. Yeah. And then there was, you were either engaged or married. I think you were already married. And then there was a convention. Mm -hmm. And it turned into a double negative. Because there was a convention. And I remember talking to you and you saying, oh my God, like they asked me to sing. And you were so happy that they had (laughs) asked you to sing. And I'll never, like the whole week of convention, like we would hang out, we would talk. I was actually talking to Amanda earlier this morning, mm-hmm. um, and she was saying that that's the year that I introduced you to her, or you had, or 
whatever. Okay. Uh, but that... That's when we met. Yes, that <laughs> year at convention, I'll never forget this. And I don't know if you know this or if you recall this, uh-huh. that you went on stage and you received so much backlash. I don't remember. Because you were wearing your wedding ring. Oh, yes. And oh, to me, it's like, it's damned if she does, damned yeah. if she doesn't. Yeah. And you were standing on a platform on a stage mm-hmm. full of men, pastors and bishops and yeah. ministers. And you walked on stage and you had your wedding ring mm-hmm. and you received so much backlash. And I I think we talked about the backlash that someone had told something, blah, 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 or had advised you like take it off or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I should take it off. Yeah. Um, but then I remember talking to my parents and other pastors and other ministers and hearing the buzz of how dare she go up there. Yeah. And I'm the guy I ever, I ever told you that. I don't think we went into that much detail about it. But people it was behind a big the deal. scenes saying, how dare she go up there with a wedding ring. And you guys might seem, think that this is crazy, <laughs> but apostolics back then didn't believe in the wedding ring. They still no, don't for the most part. Yeah. Um, and you got You're so, a rebel if you So you, you got it. backlash for... The first part. The first part. <laughs> now you're getting backlash for owning Doing what marriage. they told me. <laughs> <laughs> it just didn't make sense. It, yeah, it was just a whole bunch of politics. And I think that was one of the worst parts for me was that there was always the gossip. There was always gossip. There was always people talking about you. Instead of just coming, you know, straight up and saying, hey, can you just take it off? Okay, mm-hmm. fine. No big deal. I'm not going to tell you no. I'm not going to sit here and fight you over it. Like, who cares? Mm-hmm. But the fact that people are always, and it's been like that since I can remember. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the history of mm-hmm. what we grew up in was the gossip. I remember mm-hmm. the tea was always so good at Hot. dinner. And the funny thing is that because we were <laughs> up there and we knew people. We knew and more. Just, for the tea that we had. <laughs> it was to this day, people, Wait, to this day, we still have good tea. <laughs> we do. People wouldn't believe it. They're like, what? Y'all knew? Yeah. Yeah, we know a lot of stuff. And I think that's... That's the next episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're going to break that down later. Girl, there's people listening to this scared in their boots. <laughs> <and> now... <laughs> oh, please don't talk about me. Oh, I got plenty, sis. You know who you are. <laughs> but Woo. it's just... It's crazy to think back at things that we went through. And I now that know. you look back, it's like... Would you subject yourself to that in, in even in the workplace? Hell no! <laughs> oh, you got me messed up. I've I've done enough time. <laughs> it's like my time is up. I think about things that we were like subjected to, and it's like I'm glad that we were able to evolve. Me too. Um, and recently, we were talking about people on social media mm-hmm. that um, are very um, they fan the flames when it comes to. Racism, when it comes to homophobia, when it comes to being anti, girl, you can't be anti everything. Oh my gosh! And we were talking about that, and you said something that like hit me, and Mm -hmm. you you said, "Can you you believe that we used to run in those same circles?" Yeah. And it's crazy because I sometimes I often ask myself, "Is that how I used to be?" Mm. And I think that maybe the answer might be yes. Maybe we did think like that. I know I had internalized homophobia for a very Mm -hmm. long time. That's like it'll give people our are disgusting mm-hmm. and because that's what we were taught that that's what that's what we were fed exactly and i to look at our transformation mentally mm-hmm. someone might say this is an argument that we'll never resolve someone might say look how lost you are or how far you've fallen right <laughs> and i'm like 
look how much my eyes have been opened. Yes, look how free we are. Exactly. That's it. And I realize that who I am now as a person and who I strive to be and the goodness that I spread is because I can't think of... It hurts me to think of, was there people that me and my family or my parents and I or me and my brother that we minister to like to pray the gay away or is there all the times that maybe we didn't have compassion wow. and I think who I am now as a compassionate person that mm-hmm. tries to be as empathic as possible it's because I wasn't that before yes and I made a life decision that going forward I want to be a light not to That's get off spiritual it. no yeah but it's like I have more compassion now for others and it's something that I always talk to my little brother about we always talk about like the like being good to people like he yeah. was just telling me the story about someone and a hardship that they were going through and me and him were, were on the phone and instantly I said check your phone I just FaceTimed you the next time I mean I, I just cash out to you mm. the next time you see that person give them that and he was like okay oh perfect I'm gonna match that and Aww, you guys it's just I'm glad who of, of who I became yes me too I'm, glad, I'm so proud of you I'm thank you I am I'm glad that I didn't allow even now when we talk about it that I didn't allow the negativity mm-hmm. to outshadow the goodness. Same. So my question to you is, and it's a question that I, I always, I often give thought to is, obviously you had a very powerful ministry. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I think especially like not just as a leader in church and as someone that was a role model, but I truly believe that like even like through song, mm-hmm. like how how many people, because you allowed yourself to be that instrument, right. because you allowed yourself to be available that God was able to speak to someone mm-hmm. um, because you allow yourself to be available to God. Right. Um, do you think that that ministry still follows you? Do you still see that? Because if we believe in, in a calling, mm-hmm. once someone is called, once someone is marked, once someone has that gift, yeah. there's no going back. There's no turning back. Do you yeah. see that now? And if so, how do you see it evident? And I'll say this is that that's something that I, I often struggled when I first came out of like, well, do I just package this up and leave it in like, leave it on the top just shelf? Put it in the attic. <laughs> in the attic. Yeah. And it, I started to notice it, obviously the way that I would manage work, being compassionate, mm-hmm. all that stuff. But yes. then when I became an executive for Bare Minerals, me and my boss would travel a lot and she was really cool, um, young black girl that was like, she grew up in church and she would always make fun of me because she would say, Abraham, you have a calling. Because mm-hmm. we would travel and do master classes and do events. And she would laugh at me because it's like someone would sit at my seat and I'd be talking to them and I would help open open them up. Yeah. Before you knew it, she would tell me that, you know, she was in, a, in an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. And I would be there putting some bronzer on her and I had 30 minutes to do it. And I, as I would sit there, I would start to build her up. Yes. And every time I would just hold her hand, I'm like, just put your hand down, I'm going to pray for you right now. And Abraham, my, I love it. my boss would say, Abraham, you can't run from that. And obviously, I believe that. But I just thought of it as a joke. And then <laughs> the more friends that I made in the industry, they'd be like, okay, either you have a gift or you have the worst luck. Because <laughs> you attract these broken, the broken people. people. And recently, there was this one person that came to me. And they brought her because she had a... a of really big need mm-hmm. and they told me that she long story short she had a disease that made her face look completely like um look i can't even describe it she was 
what's the word? She was just deformed. Oh my gosh. And it looked painful. And she was there and she sat down and she said, I'll spend whatever money I need to spend. She's like, money is not an issue. Sell me something to make, to make, to make me feel better. Oh my gosh. And she sits down and I'm not going to lie. Her outward appearance was shocking to me. Mm -hmm. It was almost distracting and I, it was gut wrenching because I, I started to feel and feel you know, her pain. I feel like you know what someone calls intuition, we call discernment. Discernment, yeah. I was able to discern that she was broken, and I sat her down and I said, "Well, girl, I'm not going to sell you anything that you don't need. Like, <laughs> you know what? Let's 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 talk about let's it." And talk. In short, she told me that she had this disease. She lost her job. She lost her friend. She lost her husband. She pulls out a picture and she says, "This is who I used to be." It wasn't the same person. Oh wow! She was a beautiful person. I told her, you're still beautiful. Mm -hmm. And she started to break down and she told me, Abraham, like, I thought about killing myself last night. Oh my God. And in that moment, the thickness that I felt, I had to literally let, let go of her hand. And I, in my head, said, said a prayer for myself. The power. I didn't know if I was emotionally ready to Mm -hmm. deal with that. And I said, oh, pray for myself. I let her keep speaking. And I told her, can I say a quick prayer for you? And she said, Sure. And she closed her eyes. I held, I held her hand, and I said a prayer for her. And when we were done, I said, "Look, you don't know my name. You're probably never going to see me ever again. But on your worst of days, on days that you feel like you can't go on another moment, and days that you don't think that the sun will rise the next day, wow. I want you to know that there's someone somewhere named Abraham that's praying for you. Oh, yes. And I promise you that from now until the day that I die, I pray that God never allows me to forget this memory of you because I'm going to pray for you every single night. I'm going to think about you. Oh. And I want you to know that on your worst of days, if you think that no one will, will, will ever miss you or have a memory of who you were, I will. And wow. I might not ever see you. Oh, know, so know powerful. that there's someone out and she bawled. Oh. She was like, sell me everything. I was like, girl, <laughs> you don't need most of this. Like just, she, it's and it's a heart issue. It was. She was just and when that when when that was done, one of my coworkers was like, "Girl, how do you do that? How do you process that?" And I truly believe is that our job as Christians, and people f- find that to be oxymoronic. Well, how can you still call call yourself a Christian? As job as Christians, and it's to be Christ-like and yes. to continue to spread that hope exactly. and give that love. And do you do you do you find that in your life? Do you find that it follows? And what the number one comment that the people always tell me is, you have such a beautiful way with words, yeah. and you're so good with people. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> they a lot of people say, um, why is everyone so drawn to you? Mm-hmm. And it's like I don't know, and I, but I do. It's just the the presence of God that we carry, the love of God that we have. You know, it's it's been embedded in us mm-hmm. to the point where you can't help but just, you know, emote that and just mm-hmm. let it shine out of you without even trying sometimes. And it, a lot of it has to do with how we treat people. And the, when you said that you try to be empathetic, that is exactly me. I feel everything so deeply. Mm-hmm. When I see someone going through something, I see someone broken you can just see pain in someone's eyes. Mm-hmm. I instantly and feel like my feel my spirit latches to yep. it. And it will not allow me to let go until I can get to the root of what's mm-hmm. happening or at least try to establish this connection of, hey, I'm here. Mm-hmm. If you need me, I'm totally ready to help you through this. And that's been my life. You know, 
it doesn't matter how long I go without going to church or because church is not who I am. Mm -hmm. The building is not who I am. A congregation is not who I am. I am not, um, I'm not defined by people. I'm not defined by what they think of me, what they think I should be, what they think I should have been. Um, that's not who I am. I am what God made me to be. And he put a heart in me and this gift of discernment is the same exact thing that you carry Mm -hmm. where, even my husband, you know, Tony will constantly be like, like how he never understood it for the longest time because it would always come off like I was prying or if someone mm-hmm. would mm-hmm. would instantly hint at there's a problem. Or someone will say, is it your business? <laughs> he it's would not. always tell me it's that. It's not my business, but they, they need help. Yeah. And it's like, and if I have what they need or if I can help them in any way just to let them know that they are loved, that they are, they're going to be okay and give them any kind of hope, then I'm going to do that. I don't care if you don't understand it or not. And it wasn't until recently that he really understood the gift of discernment that I carried. Mm -hmm. And he really started to respect it more and be like, okay, now I understand. Because of what would happen when the same thing, when you speak to people and you speak into their hearts and into their brokenness, they just pour out and they just happen to just break and let everything go. And this wave of emotion will just, they can't even contain it. Mm -hmm. It's just like you pull it out of them and it's not even you. It's just the gift that God has given you to Mm -hmm. do that. And I will do that for the rest of my life. It Mm -hmm. doesn't matter if I'm in church. It doesn't matter if I have a pastor. It doesn't matter if I sing anymore. I will never care about titles, about ministry, because, well, actually, that is ministry, but that is my life's calling is to help the people that I come into contact with. And if God brings them into my life, then I will do everything I can, whether it's social media, whether it's in person at work. I will do everything I can to acknowledge people's pain and to help them know that it's going to be okay. And there's always mm-hmm. hope, you know, because there's always been hope for me. You know what's crazy? Did you tell me before? Because I know I've always thought that. Was it you that said that you wanted to be like a counselor? Yes. Me too. My whole life. That's literally me. Really? I always wanted to be a marriage counselor. Like, that was my thing. And it's evolved now to obviously just general. But I remember when I was younger, because of what I saw growing up with my, you know, dad always cheating on my mom and the effects that it had on the kids, Mm -hmm. I always said, I want to be able to help couples so that the kids don't have to suffer through the parents' Mm -hmm. issues and through all the trauma that it brings because the things that you go through as a child obviously Mm -hmm. are rooted so deeply Mm -hmm. and the trauma is so real that even if you forget about it Mm -hmm. for years, it will always pop up. Well, that's that's one of the things that we talked about today off the episode Mm -hmm. is addressing your traumas. It's never too late to address your trauma. Exactly. But I think what people fail to realize is that traumas, whether you remember them or not, whether you acknowledge them or not, mm-hmm. they manifest themselves into so many different things. Yes. And sometimes you get to the whatever age and you're like, oh, now my whole life makes sense. It all clicks. Um, but I think that I think we both share, share, share that gift of just wanting to love on other people, yes. spread hope, spread, yeah. you know, and like not trying to be corny, but spread the gospel. And yeah. maybe church isn't, you know, for you or maybe mm-hmm. for... I, I don't knock people that go to church every single Sunday, every single Friday, every single Wednesday. <laughs> I don't knock that because some, some people need that sense of community. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I've been on the search for a church mm-hmm. for a very long time and I've never found one 
that's both what I'm used to yeah. and affirming. Exactly. I don't think I ever will. It's hard. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it I ever will. Um, and sometimes I've found churches that are accepting of me mm-hmm. as an individual, but not me and my community. Exactly. And there's not, a, there's always a limit to how much they'll accept. So then I stop going because I don't want to make them uncomfortable. Yeah. You always do it for them. Right. You're so sweet. I'm like, I don't want them. I'll be like, um, y'all going to accept me because Jesus said you have to. Okay. <laughs> but um, I think it's a beautiful thing. This whole conversation coming full circle is that who we choose to be in life and the way that our childhoods and growing up in church, how it's formed who we are mm-hmm. to realize that the that person that you like to discern and be that beacon of hope and light and the same for me is that we were once that for each other that's it that's crazy you were the one person for me that's that so crazy kept me going it's amazing even now because we had a juicy conversation we before <laughs> and i was telling her what i've been going through and even it's then just, like it's even, so crazy it's just years later we years later we still continue to be that for each other and i pray to god that i never lose my sense of heart for others me too because you know in the morning and i adopted this from my parents i wake up in the morning and i say god help me cross paths with someone today that just needs to hear a little bit of hope a little bit of love Um, and it doesn't always have to be like monetary yeah you know maybe someone just like saying like telling someone that jesus loves you and that's great and then be like this Gay guys telling me this, it's, you know, it's just not, it's real, but just sharing that. And I, I pray it. that I never lose that. You won't, y'all. Y'all thought y'all were coming for some tea and got left with a little bit of Bible study, a like, little bit of Jesus. Let's, whoever wants to accept Jesus right now, let's, Raise your hands. let's give you our phone number. Let's make our own church. <laughs> oh my god, would anybody actually come? You know what? How about we just do it all online? Okay. <laughs> No, but are I, you ready to sing a song? Let's, let's, sing. let's just kidding. <laughs> People get all excited watching. Like, oh, but just it, kidding, guys. It's just I just never I never want to lose that sense, and I'm grateful for everything that I went through as a child and the way that we were brought up. It, you know, some some of it like why can't I go to the movies? That's crazy. Yeah. Or why can't I celebrate <laughs> Halloween? Right. We could, uh, in my family, we couldn't even put up a Christmas tree. Wow. And that was, we're, we were going to hell. No, my mom didn't care about that. She was <laughs> like, oh, we're going to celebrate Christmas. Va a venir Santa Claus. Before we go, and before we, we close this. Okay. Um, that year that I went to your house, like uh-huh. that, you picked me up. Um, I'll never forget this. And I'm planning on doing an episode with Mari. Oh, I love it. That's going to be so And fun. I was going to say this for her episode, but I'm going to say it on yours. <laughs> is that I'll never forget Mari and you, you didn't say anything because you were just like I'm not gonna say it I'm not gonna say it but we were in the living room at y'all's house uh-huh. and we we're setting up the Christmas tree do you okay. know what I'm gonna say no tell me <laughs> we were setting up the Christmas tree and I was sitting down lazy I was like I'm not gonna have to and y'all were arguing on like the decorations uh-huh. and putting the star on top and blah, blah, blah. y'all were just arguing and I was just sitting down and I was on my phone and then um he said uh, Aber, is it straight? Like, does it look straight? And then I said, it's not a little, sh- I don't think, I was like, it's not a little straight. And Mari said, you're not a little straight. <laughs> 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 I remember being like, 
She lied to me. I can hear it. (laughs) No, but it's so crazy because Monty and I would have conversations about, you know, like, I wonder when he's going to tell us he's gay. Like, we obviously knew because we were so close to you. But it was never, you know, a situation where we would, like, bash you or talk about you. We were just like, oh, I want him to tell me already, you know? You're like, I want a gay friend. Have you had gay friends before that? Before that? um, Well, just my boss. I think that was it. And I was going (laughs) to... Don't say no name. I was going to say some names. But I don't even know if they're out. Oh my god. No. That's I don't know. that's that's the next episode. Yeah. Because as many closeted people as we know, we're not gonna yeah. out them. But and maybe it's okay to come. We out. know a couple, but it's okay, we still love y'all. And Jesus still loves you. Too. And Jesus loves you more. <laughs> but no, I don't think so. I think after you then I had more. Um, but I love gay people. Oh my god, y'all are my favorite. I love it so much. <laughs> like I would totally trade all of my straight friends for nothing but gay friends. You should. I could. I'm going to introduce me. No. Let me into your community, boo. But we hope that you guys have enjoyed this episode. Yay. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Aw, thank you for having me. If you so guys fun. loved our conversation, we have some good news. We actually are planning another episode. Yeah. That will be amazing. And obviously, we reference Mari, Laura's sister. She'll also be on the show. And do you have anything to say? Where can they find you on social media? Well, actually, I have a fitness account. I'm trying to lose some weight, guys. Hey, girl. Uh, <laughs> so uh, you can find me on Instagram. It's at say no to fries because y'all know fries is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> and I just started a YouTube channel, so there's not much on there yet. But yeah, Instagram is where you'll find me. So by the time this goes up, we will have your video on the website so it'll be on oh, bro.live forward slash juice yes you guys can watch it and then that way by the time we shoot the next episode we'll talk about that as well and you'll know who i am if you don't already right and do you want to say hi to all of our church mutual friends i know they're like oh my god Nora. i'm other some i never want to see again <laughs> <laughs> and you know not to be shady and i have to spread the love of jesus but some of y'all no, but the other ones, yes, babe. <laughs> I miss you. <laughs> all right, you guys, that is all from us. We hope you guys have a great one. We'll Y'all talk stay to you safe. Next. Stay safe and know that Jesus loves you guys so much. So, so much. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye.